It's just getting started. I'm talking about revival. I'm talking about a move of the Holy Ghost. Our nation's messed up, but the church is in good shape. It doesn't matter what goes on out there, but I'm going to tell you what's going on in here. There is no going to court to figure out who our king is. There is no trying to do investigations to find out who our Lord is. You may not yet know who your president's going to be in 2021, but we know who our king is. He's the king of kings. He's the Lord of lords. Nobody voted him in. Nobody's going to vote him out. He can't be impeached. He's God all by himself. We're part of the church that he built. And upon the rock of the truth of the living God, this church is built. And the gates of hell shall not prevail against the church. This kingdom's not going anywhere. As a matter of fact, the only place it's going, it's going to get bigger and greater and stronger. Everything in the kingdom of God is going to endure. Everything in this world may fall apart, but we're built on a rock that is not going anywhere. You ought to just clap your hands to the Lord right now. And this is just getting started. This revival that we're in on, this move of the Holy Ghost that's preceding the coming of the Lord. Revival. Oh, hallelujah. While you stand, I'm going to talk to you today about the family. And while you're standing, get ready to go with me to the book of Deuteronomy chapter 6 and the book of James chapter 1. I'm going to talk about the family today because we're in a fight. We're not going to back down. We're not going to sugarcoat anything. We're not going to gloss anything over. We're just going to stand on what's, what's enduring. Today in Deuteronomy chapter 6 verse 1, the word of Moses, God gave Moses this law and God said, pass it on to the people. In Deuteronomy 6, 1, now these are the commandments, the statutes and the judgments which the Lord your God commanded to teach you that you might do them in the land whether you go to possess it. That thou mightest fear the Lord thy God to keep all his statutes and his commandments which I command thee. Thou and thy son and thy son's son all the days of thy life. And that thy days may be prolonged. Hear therefore, O Israel, and observe to do it that it may be well with thee and that ye may increase mightily as the Lord God of thy fathers hath promised thee in the land that floweth with milk and honey. And then James in the book of James chapter 1, verse 21, verse 22, James said, Wherefore lay apart all filthiness and superfluity of naughtiness and receive with meekness the engrafted word which is able to save your souls. But be ye doers of the word, and not hearers only, deceiving your own selves. I want to talk about the doers today. The doers. And I just want to jump on the thought of the word of God works. The word works. Let's pray together. Lord, we thank you today for your wonderful spirit, your presence that's in this place. God, I thank you for every home and every family. 
I thank you for everyone that is here. God, we come and bring our attention to you right now and just ask, pray, Lord, that you would help me to bring this word that you've put in my heart to bring to your people. Help me just to be that conduit, that instrument that you speak through and give us an ear to hear what your spirit would say to the church. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you as you're seated. The doers. Living for God is a great life. Living for God is a blessed life. Living for God is a peaceful life. It's a full life. Living for God is a more abundant life. Jesus said it so succinctly, so plainly in John 10 as he talked about him being the door and he talked about him being the shepherd. But Jesus said in John 10, 10, that the thief cometh not. The only reason the thief comes, he says, is but for to steal and to kill and to destroy. Jesus said, but I am come that they might have life and that they might have it more abundantly. When you look at that passage of scripture, it succinctly sums up the difference between a life out of God and a life in God. A life that's out of God, you realize that the controlling factor is the, the powers of hell and of darkness that want to do nothing but just to take away, to steal from, to kill, and ultimately destroy. It's not just enough that he takes away, and it's not just enough that he wants to kill. He wants to wipe your very existence out. But Jesus said, I'm the opposite of that. I come that you might have life, but not just life, but that you might have it more abundantly. You see, this plays out throughout the entirety of Scripture. We started out reading in Deuteronomy chapter 6. This was a word that God gave to Moses. And when God brought the children of Israel out of Egypt, this is the background or the setting of that. When God brought the children of Israel out of Egypt, they had lived in Egypt, misplaced people, without really a name or a culture or identity of their own. And after several hundred years, by the power of God, they were brought out of Egypt. They, as a group of people, were used to being subject to the Egyptians. As a group of people, they were pressed down from hard labor as a group. They were unsure of who they were, but God had great plans for them. God had great blessing in store for them, and God began, and he gave to Moses, and he implemented principles for them to live by that would guide and keep them in a blessed life. Are y'all with me? You see, God doesn't just want to bring us out. God wants to bring us in to something better. God doesn't just want to bring us out of an old life. God wants to bring us into a new life. And he said, I'm going to give you some principles that's going to guide and guard and direct your life. And I'm going to set you up for a life of blessing. And that's the background of what this says in Deuteronomy 6. God speaks to Moses and Moses passes it on to the people. And look at the words. God said, now these are the commandments, the statutes, and the judgments which the Lord your God commanded to teach you, that you might do them in the land whether you go to possess it, that thou mightest fear the Lord thy God to keep all his statutes 
and his commandments which I command thee, thou and thy son and thy son's son, all the days of thy life, and that thy days may be prolonged. Hear, therefore, O Israel, and observe to do it, that it may be well with thee, and that ye may increase mightily, as the Lord God of thy fathers hath promised thee in the land that floweth with milk and honey." You see, God said, I'm going to give you this. I'm going to give you some, and it's on that handout. God said, I'm going to give you some instructions, directions, and guidelines. And if you do them, if you honor me by doing them, you will have a good, long life. It will go well with you. You will succeed. You see, God said, I'm setting you up to succeed. If you ever had anybody tell you that God set you up for failure, then that person was an idiot because God did not set you up to fail. God has set you up to succeed. God said, I'm setting you up to succeed. I'm setting you up for a great life. I have brought you out. I have brought you in, and I'm giving you the tools to do well. The same principle is found in the New Testament, in James, and that's where we we'll go back to it for a moment in James 1, 19, wherefore, my beloved brethren, James said, let every man be swift to hear, slow to speak, slow to wrath. We're going back from our text, we're going to back up a couple of verses, and James said there in verse 9, or verse 19, be, let every man be swift to hear, slow to speak, slow to wrath, for the wrath of man worketh not the righteousness of of God. James is saying this is the way you do it. This is the outline. You listen first and you hear. Hear means to perceive it, to grab a hold of it, to actually actually understand. He said you listen, you hear. You be slow to speak, you be slow to anger. And then he tells us that human passion is not going to bring about the righteousness of God. No matter how worked up you may get about it, human passion is not going to bring about the righteousness of God. And then James goes on to begin to give us the principle. And he said in verse 21, wherefore, lay apart all filthiness and superfluity of naughtiness and receive with meekness the engrafted word which is able to save your souls. What he's telling us is this. He says, quit being nasty. Put away your filthiness. Put away your overflowing wickedness. Receive with humility the word which has been planted in you, which is able to save your soul. Prior to that in verse 17, James had made the statement. He said, every good and every perfect gift is from above and cometh down from the Father of lights, with whom is no variableness, neither shadow of turning. Verse 18 of James 1, of his own will beget he us with the word of truth that we should be a kind of first fruits of his creatures. In other words, you are born in him through the word of truth and you will be fruitful as a result of the word coming to life in your life. You want to be successful. You want to be fruitful. The word that's been put in you, let it come to life in your life. Let me just throw this out here to you that you can spend a lot of energy going problem solving. 
You can try to do some problem solving and try to get to the bottom of things. Some of you can even go into your home, and I've, I've been pastoring for a few years now, and I've seen it happen. And I've seen people go into their homes and pray spirits out, drive out spirits, do in-home exorcisms, if you will, driving out spirits. And there are spirits that attack our homes and attack our families. But listen closely. You can go devil chasing, and you can even try to put a face on things. You can talk till the crows come home or till the cows come home. Pardon me. You can talk. can't read my own writing. You can talk till the cows come home, and you can try to hash it all out. But listen, if you never attempt to align with the Word of God, you're always going to be chasing shadows. Something's always going to be missing. You're going to keep going in circles. You're going to be doing the same merry-go-round routine, going nowhere and just being left dizzy. It doesn't matter how many devils you chase out of your home. If you don't build back some things on the Word of God, you're going to have to go back and chase devils again next week. Or you can decide today that I'm going to be a doer. I'm going to stand on what is settled. I'm not going to try to spiritualize everything. I'm going to stand on the word of God that is forever settled in heaven. I'm going to begin today rebuilding my life from a foundation that's existed and has never gone away. And that's what James said. James 1.21, he says, therefore, wherefore, Lay apart all filthiness and superfluity of naughtiness and receive with meekness the engrafted word which is able to save your souls. But be ye doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving your own selves. For if any man be a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like a man beholding his natural face in a glass. For he beholdeth himself and goeth his way and straightway forgetteth what manner of man he was. But... Whoso looketh into the perfect law of liberty and continueth therein. You come to church on a Sunday morning and the word of God is held in front of you and you see it. And then you go home and forget it. Then you're going to constantly be walking around in circles. But if you look into the word of God and you see it and you get it and you realize the freedom and the authority and the power that is there. And you're not a forgetful here but become a doer. This man is going to be blessed in his deed. You see the person who continues in God's perfect teachings that make people free. And who remain committed to them will be blessed People like that don't merely listen and forget. They actually do what God's teaching says. You see, the word of God is not a pep talk. It's God's formula for the best life. And today, my heart is for our families. It's for our marriages and for our homes. The month of November We've had some incredible times here at First Pentecostal Church. Take just a moment and just look at some of this. The month of November, and I've got just a little video that media has put together for me. Look at this.
I got the Holy Ghost. When? Tuesday night? Yeah. That is awesome. Give me five. Yeah. This month of November, we've had an awesome marriage retreat. Thanks to Greg and Susan Crocker for putting that together. This month of November, we had an awesome youth retreat. Thanks to Anna and the youth leadership team for putting that together. Under the guidance of April Roach, Sister April Roach, we've had an incredible mission supernatural for our children. This is taking them into a place of prayer and of worship. And the next one is on December 3rd at 415. Look online for details. It's incredible. We had a great family prayer meeting this past Tuesday night, and that's what Dakota told me at the food drop that he got the Holy Ghost Tuesday night. And we, we've enjoyed a wonderful month in this coming Thursday. Families are going to gather together for Thanksgiving. But this morning, God has put it in my heart to bring you this word that I'm bringing you today because there's some things that we're going to have to make up our mind today that I'm going to stand on. The first point that I want you to understand this morning, the first thing, it's right there on your handout. The first thing is God wants us to live for him as a family. The first thing that God instituted was marriage and the family. The very first institution that God put on this earth was that of marriage and family. The first thing that God saved was a family. It was Noah and his family that were in the ark. The first time that worship is mentioned in Scripture is when God tested Abraham to see if he loved him or his son Isaac more. And when God brought the people, his people, out of Egypt, he brought them out of bondage, he implemented daily family devotion. In Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse 1, look again. Now these are the commandments, the Lord, the statutes and the judgments which the Lord your God commanded to teach you that you might do them in the land whether you go to possess it. That thou mightest fear the Lord thy God to keep all his statutes and his commandments which I command thee, thou and thy son and thy son's son, all the days of thy life and that thy days may be prolonged. Hear therefore, O Israel, and observe to do it that it may be well with thee. And that ye may increase mightily as the Lord God of thy fathers hath promised thee in the land that floweth with milk and honey. Hear, O Israel. This is the Hebrew Shema. Hear, O Israel. The Lord our God is one Lord. And thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thine heart, with all thy soul, and with all thy might. And these words which I command thee this day shall be in thine heart. And thou shalt teach them diligently unto thy children and shalt talk of them when thou sittest in thine house and when thou walkest by the way, when thou liest down and when thou risest up. And thou shalt bind them for a sign upon thine hand and they shall be as frontlets between thine eyes and thou shalt write them upon the post of thy house and on thy gates. Three things God says to do. Do this regularly, consistently. He said, keep, teach, talk. Say it with me. Keep, teach, talk. Everybody say it with me. Keep, teach, talk. He said, keep the word in your heart. Teach the word diligently to your children and talk the word. Talk the word in your house. Talk the word when you go somewhere. Talk the word when you tuck in for the night, when you go to bed. And talk the word when you get up in the morning. 
Let me just talk to you from my heart right now. If you quit keeping, you'll quit teaching. And if you allow the halls of the home to go silent to the word of God, some ear that needs to hear will be left without receiving. The word of God needs to be echoing in the home that you're living in. Somebody help me preach right now. And the only way that that's going to happen, dads and moms, is that first of all, you yourself grab hold of a word of a love for the word of God and say, I'm going to keep the word in my heart. I'm going to keep it. I'm going to teach it. I'm going to talk it. The word of God is going to be coming out of me because that's what I put in me. And he goes on to say, in Deuteronomy 6, 17, Moses goes on to say, ye shall diligently keep the commandments of the Lord your God and his testimonies and his statutes which he hath commanded thee. And thou shalt do that which is right and good in the sight of the Lord, that it may be well with thee and that thou mayest go in and possess the good land which the Lord sware to thy fathers. You see, God's got victory for your destiny. That's what God has for you. And God says in verse 19, to cast out all thine enemies from before thee as the Lord hath spoken. And when thy son asketh thee in time to come, saying, What mean the testimonies and the statutes and the judgments which the Lord our God hath commanded you? Then you'll say to your son, We were Pharaoh's bondmen in Egypt. We were. And the Lord brought us out of Egypt with a mighty hand. Daddy, what does the word mean? Oh, this is what I'm telling you this for, son, is we used to be in bondage, but now we've been set free. We've been brought out of darkness to walk in light. This is what the Lord has done. And the Lord showed signs and wonders great and sore upon Egypt, upon Pharaoh, and upon all his household before our eyes. And he brought us out from thence that he might bring us in to give us the land which he sware unto our fathers. And the Lord commanded us to do all these statutes to fear the Lord our God for our, for our, for our good always that he might preserve us alive as it is at this day. And it shall be our righteousness if we observe to do all these commandments before the Lord our God as he hath commanded us. Let me just pause right here. I'm hoping you're hearing me right now. Your children shouldn't come to church to find out how good God is. Your children should hear at home how good God is. Your children shouldn't have to stand here in worship to praise God all by themselves. Your children should be joining the course of the family unit that's already started the praise song in the house. I'm not here to preach anybody into a place of condemnation, but I'm here to bring you a message that the word has poured, or the Lord has poured into my heart. We believe that there's going to be great revival, but we also believe that there is going to be a great pushing against the people of God. As we move forward into what next year holds, I'm telling you, there's going to be a pushing from hell that's going to try to push against the family unit and push against the church, and we can't do it just showing up two times a week in the house of God. You need revival in your home. You need prayer in your home. You need the word of God in your home. And the second thing, the second point 
God put this in my heart. He woke me up Monday morning. I mean, he was tearing me up with this. We fight for our family, not with our family. I've been doing a lot of praying and a lot of counseling and a lot of discussions over the past several months. And I'm not, I don't have one single person in mind. But there's been some things that we've battled through and we've gone through. And I've thought to myself, if you would fight as hard for your family as you fight with your family, you would have victory in your home. All this head button, your button heads in the wrong direction. You put the wrong face on your problem. It's hell that's stirring up some stuff and you're getting mad at your wife. It's hell that's stirring up some stuff and you're taking it out on your children. I'm talking to you in the Holy Ghost right now and if you don't hear it, it's your own problem. But I wanna tell you, some of you are fighting the wrong fight. You're fighting with your family. God sent me to tell you it's time to quit fighting with your family and start fighting for your family. So I ask you the question this morning, am I fighting with my family or for my family? Am I fighting with my spouse or am I fighting for my spouse? We need a little understanding and I jotted some things down. I didn't get it out of a book. If it doesn't make sense, it's because I jotted it down in prayer the other day and the Lord just doesn't come back and edit what I write. But here's some things I wrote down. Gives us a little clarity. We fight with our family when there is within us a desire to win against. We fight with our family, and this is some of the ways it looks when we have to have everything under our own control. We're fighting with when we have to have everything controllable and definable. Let me just pause there for a moment. It's not in my handout, but sometimes it might be better instead of you yelling at your kids because they haven't picked something up, it might be better that you just get down in the floor with them and say, honey, let's just pick this up together. And then let's, as, as we begin to work on things together, you can instill some life lessons from the word of God, but you're eliminating the testimony in your own home because you stay angry all the time. You're discrediting your own testimony in your own house because you're preaching or you're acting like a a saint in the house of God and the devil at home. I I, I can't quit till the Lord keeps, till the Lord lets up on me. But you, you can't expect the church to save your children if you're not putting out any effort yourself. You can't expect them to go off on a youth retreat and get everything that they need from God if you're gonna sabotage everything when they come home. It's time you quit fighting with your family and start fighting for your family and say, I made up my mind. I'm going to serve God. And as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. We're fighting against our family when we're having the desire to look good for the moment and that's more important than focusing on development. 
We're fighting with our family when we wound with words. We control with emotions. And then we're not realizing that we're possibly leaving lasting scars with words that we're speaking. Sticks and stones may break my bones, but words leave permanent marks. We're fighting not with, but for. We're fighting for our family when we decide we're gonna seek to use words of correction correctly, communicate with instead of seeking control over. We're fighting for our family when we have an understanding that we're training for life. That's the ultimate goal. It's not temporary appearances. We're fighting for our family when we know that everything is not controllable and definable and therefore we can ride some things out. Just move on. <clears throat> We're fighting for our family when we get to the place that we know it's not me against them, it's me for them. To protect, to provide, to love the agape love, to guide and to cover with spiritual authority. Dads, you're the guard of the home. I'm preaching to some guys this morning that I know you're packing heat even right now. And if somebody were to walk in here and start shooting, I'm just going to go lay down here in the corner. We got a security team, and I'm hoping it'd be the security team that'll take care of things, but I'm fearful for my life that I'm going to get shot in the crossfire. So I'm going to go over here and hide in the corner, and y'all can shoot it out. But you're going to be rearing and ready, brother, because you've got, you've got arms, you've got weapons, you're going to protect your home. And if somebody were to come in against your family, you're going to come back with force. You are because you love them. But dads, don't miss the important part that there is things that you can't see that's coming against your home and against your family. And just as sure as you'll pick up a weapon to defend your home, you ought to be picking up your spiritual weapons to stand guard at your door and say, as for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. I'm praying for my kids. I'm gathering them into my arms. I'm protecting them spiritually. You're the filter. Spiritual attacks come from all sides, and you can never let your guard down. You fight for your family when you desire to win for them and realize that it's not you protecting them against evil people. It's against you standing between them and eternity. Somebody needs to rise in this place today in your spirit and say, I'm fighting for my family. I'm fighting for my marriage. And look at those people that you eat dinner with and let them know that I'm fighting for you. Moms and dads, let me ask a question. If your relationship, or pardon me, if your children's relationship with the Lord is based on their parental relationship, What's their relationship with God going to look like? 
It doesn't matter how the world or how our society or how, or how popular culture defines the home. We're not seeking the approval of popular culture. I started out by telling you that God blesses and honors his word. And when we do it God's way, we're establishing ourselves for the blessings that God said, I'm going to give you. The third and final thing is the foundation. There's a war on. Without a doubt, there's a war on. In Psalm 11 and 2 and 3, the psalmist said, For lo, the wicked bend their bow, they make ready their arrow upon the string, that they might privately shoot at the upright in heart. The question is raised, if the foundations be destroyed, what can the righteous do? The foundations are simply talking about the principles of morality, the foundations of society, these things that our civilization is built on. We're built on the home, the family unit, the structure of that. I believe that the church is the last great defender of the home. I was born in 1963. I was one of those kids that grew up from 1963 till 1972. We lived in different places, but from 1972 on until about when I got married in 1985, I grew up right here in Lexington, running the streets of Lexington, riding my bicycle, going all over the place. From 1963 to present day, in my own lifetime, there's been civil unrest. What we're experiencing now is not new. There's been racial division. There has been a presidential assassination. John F. Kennedy was assassinated just a few months after I was born. Martin Luther King Jr. was assassinated. Robert Kennedy was assassinated when I was just a little boy. When I was a teenager, there was an attempted assassination of Ronald Reagan. When I was a little boy, the Vietnam War was raging. The Gulf War, when I was a young man, the invasion of Afghanistan, the invasion of Iraq. These are big events, newsworthy events, but a more insidious thing than even that, those things, has taken place in my lifetime. Hell has unleashed an all-out attack against the family unit. The ideal for a family Thanksgiving was painted by Norman Rockwell with the family sitting around the table holding hands and praying and there's this 50-pound turkey in the middle of the table. But now we've turned a corner to where that Norman Rockwellian mindset is made fun of by our society. Hell has unleashed an all-out attack against the family unit. When I was a boy, this crazy free love movement started taking off. Sex, drugs, and rock and roll. Free love. Drug culture. This hedonistic lifestyle and a proliferation 
of pornography. In my lifetime, sitcoms started making fun of dad, humorously eroding the foundation of the home. In my lifetime, our own government has enabled parents not to marry and actually made it easier for you not to marry. In my lifetime, the LGBTQ community has pushed relentlessly to dismantle the biblical family unit. And in my lifetime, up till this point, activist groups have developed platforms that seek to dismantle the nuclear family. The nuclear family is a couple and their children that's regarded as a basic social unit. You see, hell is smart. Tear down the foundation. That's the goal of hell. But hell's tactic has been to patiently erode the foundation. Don't attack with an all-out assault. That's coming. That may actually come just within the next several months. Don't attack with an all-out assault. But hell's, hell's approach has been to consistently, relentlessly, methodically keep just eroding away at it till it starts to crumble. The home. The home is the core element of the church. And the church is what's holding the United States together right now. If the church wasn't here, hell would already be running this country. Y'all can look at me like I'm a conspiracy theorist. I don't care. If the church wasn't here, you wouldn't want to be here. And the family unit is the core of the church. So here is it in a nutshell. It's time to quit fighting in our houses and start fighting for our home. Mother Teresa made the statement, she said, if you want to change the world, go home and love your family. God established this. And you and I today need to determine that what God has established is what I will be established in. Marriage and family, the husband, the wife unit, the family unit, this is the original community that God put into existence. And then when the children of Israel came out of Egypt, God established that holy nation aspect. Israel was established as a people that reflect God. And it was the home, and that's where we started. The home was where all of this was propagated. You see, the people of God, are y'all with me? The people of God didn't come to church to learn about God. They learned about God at home. The people of, of God didn't come to the building to be taught the basic principles of the home and a love and a worship for God. They came to the building to have those things validated and to worship and praise God together. I wonder if there's anybody in this room that's going to rise here in a moment 
and say, as of today, I'm going to stand and I'm going to be a doer. I'm going to turn the news off. Just imagine with me. Let's keep it simple. Just imagine those of you Fox News lovers or whatever it is, you keep it blaring on. Just imagine if beginning tomorrow you got up and you set your Roku. I don't, I'm going to start talking and don't know what I'm talking about. But you just go over to your smart TV that's already hooked up to online and you just plug in and start playing in your home the praise and worship from Sunday morning service. It's simple, y'all. You just got to decide what's more important. Is it more important for my family to be constantly bombarded with negativity? Or is it more important for my family to be bombarded with praise and worship and the Word of God? It's really simple. You walk out of here realizing I'm joining forces with my family. I'm not rising up in arms against my family. You see, it was the family unit that expanded to the holy nation. But the holy nation was established in the family unit from the consistent day in word of God. And then when the church came along and Jesus said, I'm going to build the church or establish the church, it was actually a convergence of the husband-wife unit, the holy nation concept. That's the family of God. And the glory of God was on marriage and family and it was on that holy nation. But now he tells us in Ephesians 1 that his glory is in his church. The Word of God is filled with principles, and I'm closing with this. It's on the bottom or latter part of that second page. The Word of God is filled with the principles that give us the building blocks for the home. And look at these words, Ephesians 5, 17. Paul says, Wherefore, be not unwise, but understanding what the will of the Lord is. And be not drunk with wine, wherein is excess, but be filled with the Spirit. Speaking to yourselves in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord, giving thanks always for all things unto God and the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, submitting yourselves one to another in the fear of God. Wives, submit yourselves unto your own husbands. Don't poke anybody. Husbands, don't poke your wife right now. But wives, submit yourself unto your own husbands as unto the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church and is the Savior of the body. Therefore, as the church is subject unto Christ, so let the wives be to their own husbands in everything. Husbands, love your wives, even as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for it. 
that he might sanctify and cleanse it with the washing of the water by the word, that he might present it to himself a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that it should be holy and without blemish. So ought men to love their wives as their own bodies. He that loveth his wife loveth himself. For no man ever yet hated his own flesh, but nourisheth and cherisheth even as the Lord the church. For we are members of his body, of his flesh, and of his bones. For this cause shall a man leave his father and shall be joined, and father and mother and shall be joined unto his wife, and they too shall be one flesh. This is a great mystery, but I speak concerning Christ and the church. Nevertheless, let every one of you in particular so love his wife, even as himself, and the wife see that she reverence her husband. That's the basic foundational block, the husband-wife unit. But the discourse goes on. You guys ready for this? The next thing that comes around is chapter 6, verse 1. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and your mother, which is the first commandment with promise, that it may be well with thee and that thou mayest live long on the earth. And fathers, provoke not your children to wrath, but bring them up in the nurture and the admonition of the Lord. There's some key words that stuck out in that. The word submission. The word submission is voluntarily giving up our own rights. It's the exact opposite of selfishness. The word love and the description was as Christ loved the church. The word honor, a word for respect. What was given for the children was honor your parents. That's the only commandment of the 10 that you'll actually find a promise connected to it. And in Parenting 101, and guys, listen to me. Come on back. Dads, provoke not your children to wrath. Simply means don't exasperate your children by arbitrary and unsympathetic rule. Listen to me. It's the word of God and God put it in me for today. Don't just look at your kids and say it's because I say so. Don't look at your kids and say it's my way or the highway. Dads, don't provoke your children to wrath. Dads, quit making my job so hard. Dads, love your children the way the Word of God says love your children. And one of the best things you can do for your children is that your children know that you love their mama. I feel the Holy Ghost heavy on me right now. Somebody needs to let it resonate in their heart. I'm not here to fight with my family. I'm here to fight for my family. And up until this point, I may not have had my act together, but I serve a God that gives me a do-over. And as of today, I'm going to walk out of here saying I'm going to stand 
on the principles of the Word of God. Dads, nurture that admonition. It didn't say, Mama, you nurture them. It said, Dad, you nurture them. The word nurture just simply means treatment. It means care. If you're visiting, these two right here are mine. This is my favorite son. And then my favorite all the way around, I guess that's what she's saying over here. If you want to know how I believe about this, and if you don't believe what I'm telling you, go talk to one of them. They'll tell you, I'm not up here making this up today. I've held them in my arms because the greatest gift that God ever gave to me outside of His Spirit living in my life was when on July the 11th, 1986, I held Amanda in my arms. On December the 28th, 1988, I held Anna in my arms. On March the 18th, 1992, 14th, Pops the 18th, yeah. They knew I'd get it wrong. My dad's is the 18th. March the 14th. In the Franklin Hospital in front of his Muslim doctor. The doctor put Michael in my hands and I held him up like a Simba situation. And I looked at him and I said, your name is Michael David Beecham and Michael, Hero Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord and thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, and with all thy strength. And the doctor looked up and he just grinned at me. I didn't do it with Anna and Amanda because I didn't even think about it then. When Anna was born, it was in the Hornwall Hospital and I only had one hand that was usable. Dads, bring your children up in the nurture, the care, the admonition. That's the training or that's the correction. Bring them up in the nurture and the admonition of the Lord. But don't make them so aggravated because you're so bullheaded that they turn away from God. I'm sorry, y'all, but this is my heart today. And when I've stood behind this pulpit and looked over toward that old man that used to pastor this church, and I say old man affectionately, Dwayne. Dwayne's asked me to quit calling him old man. But that older guy that's preaching down at Russian Grove, when I look at him and I say, I thank God that he didn't mess my life up. I mean that with everything within me. He did not drive me away from God. He drove me toward God because of his passion for God. Where are the men of God in this room today? Where are the ones that say, I've fought with my family for the last time. I'm gonna start fighting for my family as of today. I'm standing 
on the principles of the Word of God. When God said, bring your children up in the nurture and the admonition of the Lord, He's reminding us that children belong not only to the parents, but also to the Lord. And if these kids' relationship with God is based on their parental relationship, what's it going to look like? Stand with me. Mother Melba, come on up here. Somebody help Mother Melba to come up here. Jared, here she comes. We build on his principles. Somebody say principles. We're strong in his power. We trust in his presence. We rely on his provision. And we never forget his promises. Listen close. Can y'all hear me real good? I want you to listen close. When we abandon his principles, we get out of alignment and everything else gets out of order. I'm gonna say it again. When we abandon his principles, we get out of alignment and everything else gets out of order. We can't have his power and his presence or know his abundant provision if we ignore or abdicate his principles. His principles, that's the foundational truth. That's the foundation our homes are built on. That's the formula, formula by which everything else comes together. The church standing here as this last great defender in our country of the home. But the ironic thing is the church is only as strong as our home. We've got a wonderful church and the reason being is because we've got some wonderful family units. But I've come today to bring you this message that God put in my heart because I know that hail has been coming against your homes. I know it. And dads, moms, children, this is not the time to get away from the principles. that we've been built on. I want you to put your arm around that family that you're beside there. Mother Melba is going to pray over our families right now. If you're not close to a family, just go close to one of your family. And I want you to begin to pray with each other right now. Come on. In the name of Jesus. Husbands, pray for your wives. Dads and moms, pray for your children. 